Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Yes, I'm absolutely delighted. We've got a, an open goal legend. I don't know if you know this, Jim, but you're an open goal legend. So <laughs> many of the boys have had on Lockie, this man, Fulton, even guys like Ryan McGowan. The stories have been tremendous. Thanks very much for coming on. No problem. No problem. First things first, how's old Fabian Delph, the health? I'm uh, keeping fine. Never felt better, actually. So oh, you're looking great. Bit, before it happened, there was a wee bit, you know, feel no great, and I thought I was just getting older, playing with grandkids and that. But uh, no, it was obviously something that's been fixed. I'm absolutely brand new. Back on the golf course. Back on the golf course. Funny enough, you know, when I first came out of the hospital, you know, they were saying to me I was passed away for 25 seconds. That's what I tell everybody. But when I was golfing a couple of weeks ago with uh, Mike Krocek, Corky, it was his wife. It was in the ambulance time. So after the golf, he said, "I've got something in the car for you." So he goes across and he comes back with this. I thought it was money, but it was a big one. It was a graph, you know, from the, from the ECGs. Right. And he says, uh, I says, Aye, where does it tell you 25 seconds? He says, 25 seconds. He says, it was four minutes uh, that you were away for. I says, what? He says, that. So I said, just about gave me another heart attack on, <laughs> on the spot. But, <laughs> four uh, minutes, did me, eh? Four minutes. Scary right. stuff, eh? Scary stuff, man. Right? So, so now you're just living every day as if it's your last? never felt any better, and I'm, you know, I just go about it. You didn't think about it so much, you know. You just really—I've been positive with it and said, "Look, and I've had something wrong with me. It's been fixed. There was no damage to the, the other arteries were fine, and the heart was fine. So, it's, I've, as I said, I felt better. I've been golfing a lot. It was only—I was golfing within three weeks. Brilliant. Yeah. Uh, I must say, I was shite myself for this. <laughs> Please don't shout at us because it, it sounds like it's scary. Right, Jim, I'm asking a bit of advice. You had to deal with Kevin Kyle's push for years. That I now need oh. to deal with any advice on how to. Some man, isn't he? Uh, I don't know why I took him, you know, he was that much a, you know, a, a, not, not so much a problem, but uh, he just goes on and on and on about things all the time and uh, he just makes up stories to, to make him look good. He does, he, doesn't he? It? So, I'm glad you uh, said that. He was a great lad, he was great, he done great for me. The fact that, in fact, when I signed him, it started the way back when I took, uh, we went to Durham, uh, I think Lockie would be in a squad at Kilmarnock then and we played a friendly against um, uh, Sunderland and Mick McCarthy was the manager. Right. And uh, of course Kyle played in that game and uh, he actually caught, one of the other guys caught Mick McCarthy's name and it was Colin Nish. He was asking about him. I said, I'll do your straight swap for Kyle because he was playing in the game as well. Right. So uh, he says, oh no, he says he'll be... 
he'll be in the first team shortly and all. I think he was, I think he played a couple of games in the first team at the time. So I kept an eye on his career and everything. Hopefully try to get him. And the fact is, when I got him, I was in the hospital when he made his debut. Uh, and I gave him stick when I came out because he should have had a hat, a hat <laughs> trick that day. But he scored the winning goal, so Calling this for Kevin Kyle. Brain's a Britain now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, right, just on your playing career, uh, Jim, how would you summarise your time at Hearts? Well, obviously it was um, because of being a Hearts supporter, you know, it was just uh, great to, to go there. I was here for a number of years as a kid, going on the ground staff and my holidays for the school and things like that. In 69, I went full time and I think a lot of careers of Hearts were up and down a wee bit there, you know. Some players I was at year in and off when they come in, like say Donald Ford and Jim Townsend, all these boys, and uh, it was tough times. but. I can look back and say, well, I played under seven managers and was here till I virtually retired. Went part time because I was going into a different type of job uh, and I needed time to learn that trade. Yeah. Um, so, and obviously get to captain them when they got relegated and bring them back up. Scottish Cup finals with mostly was uh, was a great experience. Defeat to Rangers in the Scottish Cup '97 six. Something that motivated you to put it right at some point. Um. Well, I don't know if you think about that where it's motivated that you get the chance that you don't know what's ahead of you. So it was never, it was just one of those occasions where Hearts didn't, didn't get too often to the cup final and we, we got there and uh, they were playing against our great Rangers team who had won the treble and, uh, you know, unfortunately we lost a goal before three o'clock, we lost a goal just before half time, we lost a goal just after half time, uh, which really killed the game. But we, we stuck at it and got a goal late on to make it a bit respectable. But, um, Rangers were a great side, so it was just great to get, it was a great occasion great and the very disappointed not to have pulled it off, you know. At uh, what stage in the playing career did you think about management? Well, it's funny because when I used to be a player here, you know, I used to go back home and I always passed by the primary school that I, you know, was attending. And the janitor there was a boy called Hugh Adams and he always ran the school football match, right? He was getting on a wee bit, but he was always a referee because the primary schools all used to play against each other, Loretto, White Craig, a couple of teams, Pinky, um, all these schools at Billy and that, where, where we all played in the, the school teams. And of course, I used to play in these matches. So coming back, I used to stop and watch the game. And uh, Hugh used to come over and he says, oh, the boys are all delighted that you come to the game. Well, he says, why do you, would you like to referee a couple of games? Uh, for us to give the boys a big lift and I says okay I'll, I'll, so because I was watching him anyway. right, uh -huh. so I went along and it's, he was getting on he was wanting shot in the sideline so and it's funny how you you watch the you know in the game some of the young players from the other clubs that were playing against Wallerford primary school caught my eye and I thought you know he's a terrific little player and blah blah so I went to Hugh I says why don't we put a team in the Sunday league is under 12 I says we've got the some of the players here, I, we could get to, and probably that's how I've gone about building teams. It started even at primary school because I said we could take two or three from Pinky, two or three from the, uh, two or three from Loretto, build a team. We gave away a couple of years in terms of age, which is a big thing, as you know, at that yeah. age. But uh, we, we ran out, we got Wallerford, we called ourselves Wallerford Welfare Colts. So they were sort of sponsored a little bit by the, the local Labour Club. Um, in the in Wallerford and uh, or the bowling club it was it was then and uh, so we put a team out and we always did very did well, well won, a, won a trophy and it was through that that he sort of got an interest 
In fact, John Haggart, when he became manager, uh, or even when he was coach, he would come down and, and watch us playing in a few games. And a lot of that team, I think about, I must have out of that team, I would say there was about, even at that age, there was, we had come for a couple of years, we took them up to the under 14 level. Uh, and I think about six or seven of them Very went brilliant. senior. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, so, so I started off a refereeing, though. So Willie Collum could be the Hearts manager this time in tenure. Could be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you took a regular job, insurance. No, that was the, the the way that came about was because I was finishing my career. I'm like a lot of the footballers, you know. I was going to go into the pub trade, you know. Oh, well, you're right. Yeah, and that's where, I, and that's why I, when I went part time, it was to learn the trade because a couple of good friends that I used to golf with were publicans and that, and they taught me a lot about the business. And I used to go and spend a few hours each week in in their pubs and learn the trade and that. And uh, so we went and got an interview with the. Brewery. Uh, I was going to take over my local pub because uh, I think with the football connection, the golf connection, it was it would have been a problem. They were all all for it. So I was due to go in. I was waiting. I had four months. The boy was on a, you know, he he knew he was leaving in about four months. So in that four months, I was training with Berwick Rangers, and fuck ex Hibs player Paul McGlinchey was it there, and he, he was suddenly I got a call the next day from his boss just who was chatting at training. And he says, would you like to come in and have a chat with me? I says, what about? He says, uh, well, he says, we'll come and find that out. I had no idea what I was going into. So I was, went into Edinburgh, had a chat. Because that was a Friday. And on the Monday, I was on an induction course. And I said, I don't know why I'm doing this. Because I, I had no interest in it. Mm -hmm. and that. But I thought, well, I've got four months. Filling a bit of time. And See I ended up happens. doing well. So I ended up with my own little business. So you chucked the pub game, huh? Well, I took advice from him. They said, look, it's a tough game. You're long hours. It's not getting any easier. If you're doing well at that, you might have to consider the two lads that had, had sort of got me on the path to taking the pub. And uh, so I decided, why not? Let's give it a go because I was doing quite well. Mm. And um, I set up my own, I ended up with my own little business with a, with a lawyer who was at that time the, the law allowed you to do that. Um, and then got a little building society agency and that. So I was doing fine. Entrepreneur, fact, love it. Half my wages when I went back. I was making less when I went back into football. What, what, than what you were making in insurance? Yeah, well, yeah. when I got the Berwick Rangers job, you know, there wasn't... And was it just for the love of the game that you'd done it then? £15 a point. I went from earning, you know, and it was about getting them... It was a, a bonus structure thing. There was no wages that. But I still did my insurance side. See, know. when you first started out at Berwick Rangers, did you think you had the knack for management? Did you see yourself being as, well, success, as, as happened, successful as you were? Well, that, that's how it all came about because... I was getting pestered by, because of who I was and, and, and a big sort of played for the Hearts. It was all the Hearts and Hibs players that played for the local club, Lauder. And they were pestering me and the boys were saying, come and take us for a trip. I said, look, I've not got time. The insurance is too busy. I'm out at nights and that. Because I knew what would happen. You go along here and if there's three, I'm giving up at nights working. Three or four of them are uh, maybe not turning up for training. That's the last thing I wanted to waste my time on people. So, God, we've got some great turnouts and... I decided to get the bug back and and uh, go and uh, train and uh, with them and they were regular and I said, look, if Hibs or Hearts are playing and you want to change your training, as long as we've got a, a you know you turn up to them and great response. So see, even then you were a man manager. Even the stuff like the training nights, you can change it if you want. You had that knack of knowing how to deal with players straight away. Yeah, no problem. And then obviously when I did well at at, at Lauder because they were a team that was just struggling to stay in that division, so we got them safe and. 
and then I got the chance to go to to Hoyt and all, but I mean, just but I reckon why I took, I mean, that's further away again from, <laughs> and still having to work at nights. Did you always want to do it in the, in the actual leagues? Once I got involved in the game, the bug was back because yeah. of being a professional footballer. Um, you know, I just, I just gone in and, and used the things that I did to get there in the first place because it, you've got to have an eye for a player. You've got to know, you know, Berwick Rangers, that, well, that was just a crazy situation. They were bottom league, they were cast off, the, the door was shut. Yeah. I didn't get any wages, I got, and there was two points for a win, I got £10 a point. That's all I got. So you but took that job, job on no money? You went no money, no money. And why was that, just to get back into the league? Well, I knew the people who took the club, who bought the club, and there, and there were local guys who, um, one of them was, when we had our presentation, we didn't have it in Gallic Shields, we had it at Lauder, a hotel in Lauder, he, he was one of the boys that were, was going to be on the board after purchasing Berwick Rangers and he said, you've got to, you've got to come to us. Would that be one of your best achievements? Berwick Rangers. With Berwick Rangers? Is that proper, well, is that proper football well, you can, well, you'll tell you what task that was. They had no money, right? The team was so bad that they were virtually cast but off. I could have played for them. Uh -huh. right? And the, the bottom line was that um, we went twenty. We, we were on Saint Greavesy and everything because we went twenty-two matches. We never won for five weeks, and I was driving home with Lindsay Muir and Billy Brown, who were helping me. And I said, "This kind of I've never, you know, this, you can't play football in this league at that time." You yeah. could. So I says, "Well, what we should do is we need to change it because we've no won for five weeks. Fans were a bit, but we had spent." so many closed door matches trying to get the best. I even brought people from the East of Scotland League like I did previously. I got a couple for Gala, a couple for Inner Leaving, Brian Thorpe and things like that. And we built a side, got a load of trials with people recommending things and I built practically a new team in a fortnight. And I said, what we're going to do now is we're going to change what we're, how we play. We said, we're just going to thump it long. It's up to John Hughes, who was a centre half, put him up front, I says, I've got, a, actually we're in, the, we're in the Lord of the Hotel, and I says, I've got a, a hunch. I says, and Blinsey Muir says, a hunch? Billy Blinsey says, a hunch? I says, yeah. I says, I play Yogi up front on Saturday. Yogi? I says, yeah. I says, Is this the Yogi we're talking about? I says, he runs about too much at centre-half for a centre-half, I says, because he wants to do everybody's job, so let him do everybody's job up front. Anyway, Christ, that's a hunch and a half, Jim, you know, and I says, well, let's play. So we were playing Cowdenbeath, Put him up front. I said, we'll get Rafi Callahan. Every time he goes up front, you'll get knock it down to Rafi Callahan. He'll find the pass that will play the other guys in. <laughs> we went to Cowdenbeat. Now, Berwick's never won a game for all season. Right? And we Cowdenbeat were going well. We drew 3-3, right? And Yogi scored two goals. And I think the centre-half was taken to hospital. Right. <laughs> that counts so as another goal for you week, the following week there were huge celebrations because it was the first time for about three years that they went two weeks without getting we were undefeated for two weeks because right. we played the league leaders Dick Campbell was assistant to John Ritchie who was the manager and it was 4-4 Yogi scored the hat trick and their two centre-halves were taken to hospital <laughs> <laughs> and that's how it uh, that's how it came about. So Yogi, but as, as we went on, Yogi got a £70,000, which was in those days equivalent to a million pounds for Berwick Rangers because they had no money whatsoever. And Yogi, because um, we'd brought a team, Yogi got a £70,000 move to Swansea. Wow. But as you went higher up, you could see that 
it was the you know he's probably found his level to to do that. He came back. We tried him up front at Falkirk because I, I, I watched his career and I wanted to take him to Falkirk. Uh, he didn't go doing too well. He went back into midfield, did a little bit better. But once he went back to centre half, he was outstanding. Was he as mad then as he is now? Madder. <laughs> Madder then, you know, great guy. Great story with him. The first time I went to Berwick Rangers, I'm sitting and he's in the dressing room at all because I'm just being appointed. And I'm sitting waiting till everything settles down, coming down for the bus from Edinburgh. And he walks past me and he says, I want to see the chairman. I said to one of the board members, I want to see the chairman. He wanted to know why the previous manager was sacked, he says, because I think he had just signed for the club from Newton Grange Star. Right. And it was his pal. He had a chance to go to two or three clubs, but it was, it was a pal of his dad's. So when he came down, he walked past me again. And uh, he's never said, you know, he just, who's this, you know? Just come from Newton Grange and he's what to see the chairman. <laughs> so when they come through, all the boys are in dressing room and, and they says, when do you want to go through and see them? I says, let them sit half an hour. So, uh, so they're still murmuring away and the career of Pidmore Rock. Where is he? You know? So the boy comes through again, the kit man. He went, you come, they're wanting to know when you're coming. I says, let him sit another half hour. So they sat three half hours. When he come back, I said, put him in the bus and get him up the road to Edinburgh. Didn't train. I never spoke to them. Wow. So I came down, I was ready for them on the Thursday. So when they came down the Thursday, I just sat there and I sat there, I could have heard a pin drop. That's probably how you get the respect. Because, because I said, any time while I'm here, will anybody even consider talking to any the chairman? Or he kept who I was getting at, uh-huh. right, or the board, uh, over my dead body, right? Who the hell do you think you are? You're bottom of the league, you've not won a game, half his will be, you Working know, at McDonald's next chance uh-huh. in the next few weeks to be out the door unless you get your fingers out and start showing that you're worth it, you're bottom of the league. How proud are you that, I says? Because that's what I'm here to do, is to save this club. I says, I'll not save it with attitudes like that. Best thing I've ever done. Did he apologise to you? No, but he can't. I was thinking. Uh-huh. In fact, I told him the story. On the following night after the Tuesday, I went straight to Newton Grange. They hadn't paid the money. We, we Berwick Rangers, couldn't afford it. But I went up there. I was sitting. Laurie Dunn was the manager in Newton Grange. And there was 15 there committee sitting. And I went up with the chairman. I says, look, you'll need What's the meeting about? I says, you need to take Yogi back. For two reasons, after his escapade, he walked right? <laughs> but I said, he's, he's, um, I said, we can't afford to pay the money. The club's gone. Just not got a penny. We've saved it by buying it. I mean, the owners bought it for a pound. It was, out, it was finished. And he says, but we don't want him back. I says, oh, I love that, because that's what I told him. Told him. <laughs> uh, on the when I went back, I says, and by the way, I tried to sell you back to, no sell you, I tried to give you back to, and they don't want you. And he went, and of course that brought him down a peg or two. Uh-huh. But uh, I agreed to, to we, that I think they get a percentage if he moves on. I said, I'll give you a bigger percentage if he moves on if you want us to keep him. And he done great for me. Brilliant. Uh, went to Falkirk, 1990. Was there any new lessons that you learned dealing with a higher caliber player? Are they harder to deal with? <sighs> you didn't, I mean, I'd played the game and been in the company, a lot of great players and that with my career here. So that didn't bother me what colour of a player it was. I had enough to know that what I was doing, you know, what I believed in and what I was doing worked. 
and I had success at even at starting out an amateur level, stepping up to East of Scotland, stepping up to Belgium. Just so, just a Though I've got to say, when I went to Falkirk, I was put under enormous pressure. They appointed David Holmes, who had gone about telling the a great chairman, by the way, and a great guy, but he was the figurehead for for the owners. You know, and a couple of directors went, but he was the appointed. He was a local guy, and he was a big Falkirk fan, even though he was Rangers chairman. And he had promised. I think other fans were expecting. Terry Butcher or right, somebody, yeah, yeah. Uh, Graham Roberts was the name mentioned. Of course, they get Jim Jeffries, they'd be at Rangers. And uh, the fans were a wee bit up in arms. And I hadn't, again, I was banned to the stand with something I did at, at Gala at uh, Berwick Rangers. So I had to spend the first season there. How did the you stand. do at Berwick Rangers? It was Sandy Roy, who's an Aberdeen guy. I see him, I've seen him a lot since. He sent me to the stand, and it was just a case here. I got out the dugout, the old Arbroath ground, and just, uh, was it Montrose? Montrose, the old, mm. old Montrose ground. Just got out and just stepped over and sat in the stand. I was about two feet from where I was, <laughs> the bench, because I had complained about a decision. Mm. And they uh, sent me right off. I got found a thousand at that time. A, a thousand, thousand pounds? pounds? And banned to stand for a year. That makes my uh, band look so, um, feeble. But when I went, they had to spend the first year in that doing the bit. You weren't, you weren't too far away from yeah. the dugout at Brockville. And, uh, but when he went about, and it didn't start too well there either, because they told me that they had a lot of great players. If you looked at Jim Duffy had a left, I took over for Billy Lamont, but Jim Duffy had built a, a decent side when he was a player manager there. And uh, But again, you just go in there and believe what you're doing right. And if there was any going to step out of line and that, then tough. Then, you know, if you don't want to be here or think you're... But again, after five or six games, getting a lot of criticism, the chairman pulled me in. He says, what, what, he says you're going to get a job to the end of the year. Because I was remember leaving at the boardroom level. He says, you're going to, I, know, I need to know what you're going to do. I says, well, I've got a plan. I says, well, tell me it. I says, well, I believe that, you know, I don't care if you'll get away with it, but he's got to go, he's got to go, and he's got to go. He says, well, how are you going to do it? I says, well, I've got an offer of 60 I says, but he's, you know, you've turned down a couple of hundred for Leeds United, supposedly. He says, but I can get 60,000 for Kilmarnock and there's a player there that I want. Do it. What are you going to do with the 60,000? Because he said you can have it. So I went and looked. I spent hours and recruit, watch games at night, Billy Brown and I. Then I started to bring in. I got Simon Stainrod, who was magnificent for us. Uh, Eddie May, who, had, who was out the picture at Brentford. Tommy McQueen, who was at West Ham. And built a team. We went... Um, fantastic. They, they had never won the league. I've taken our team where the chairman has told them they're going to win the league. And they've never done that in their life. And in those days, you could get two teams. They've always went up as runners-up. Up, right? So, in that year, there was only one team was going to be promoted, and that was the champions. And we started well behind the ball game. But we got a side together, started playing great football, and we just was... We won the league, it was just fantastic in the first season there. So. It was an up and down time as well, relegating 93, and then you got promoted again. Yeah, well, when it's like everything else, when you're, when you're, you know, we had a great season in the league, I mean, I got a standing ovation for, you know, for, for, for the football that we were playing, and we, were, we got relegated. Mm. You know, that year, oh, we, did beat, you still we, beat Hearts, right? we beat Hearts 6-0, and a couple of weeks later, didn't have enough points, we and it was because, the, because we were doing well, Big clubs were coming in for our players, you know. We lost uh, Kevin McAllister, who was outstanding oh, for Hibs, got him, you know. 
and then we lost other players and uh, it was just a case of built a team, brought us up, half of them's moved away and now I've got to build again. But we went down, but we came right back up the following season uh, and then when I left them, uh, we nearly qualified for Europe. I left them in fifth place, I think. See, when you said you beat Hearts there, uh, was the Hearts job when you were a Falkirk manager, is it something you always looked at and think, I would, I'd love to be the Hearts manager? There's a little bit. I would yeah. be lying if I said there's a little bit thinking, well, where, how far would I go, you know, uh-huh. love to manage that. Because I was supported them and played for them. So, yeah. of course, it was never thinking it would come round because, and it was funny because I got a phone call one, one day before that game, um, Wallace Messer had used a third party to phone me. Um, and I knew the boy well. And he phoned me up and says, would you like to be manager of Hearts? And I says, why? He says, uh, he says who, who's, who's, who's asking? Listen, he says, I'm the middle man. He says, would you like? He says, I've got to take the information back. And I said, I said, well, you've got a manager. I says, the best thing to do is you need to approach the club or so you've, you've got a manager. He says, no, but if he doesn't get a result on Tuesday night against the Hibs here, Right, he says, I think he might be looking for a manager. Said, that's the only time you've voted Hibs to win a game. That's the only time you've voted Hibs to win a game. So I say, I, I actually says to him that uh, I says, look, I don't want to talk about. It. I don't want you to approach the club if you've not got that. I says that that might win, and then it's all. So just leave it, just forget it, you know. And he went, uh, he says, but that's what will happen if it won't become it. I says, that's up to you. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm not interested in talking before it or that. You sort of because it might never happen. And it come here that they went 1-0 down to, I think it was Gordon Hunter scored the goal and Hearts equalised, they finished 1-1. And he kept it to the Saturday. Because I never got a call because they got a, a, a result. And I never heard from him. But the funny thing was, he did, he did have the chairman phone me to speak to me, to, to say, look, I've got to leave it, blah, blah, blah. But he left the phone on. And uh, he was going to Cosmo's restaurant right. with his wife. And I could hear the conversation yeah. in the car because I couldn't get him away, you know. And <laughs> was he was he talking, talking about, about uh, yeah, we just talked about, you know, my situation and, uh-huh. and should we get my hearts and all that. What do you think? He's, he's done a great job. At, I could hear there was a conversation for about half an hour. I didn't tell I thought, you know, obviously Wallace moved, uh, passed away and, and I, when I was speaking to Anne a couple of times, his wife, it, um, uh, she she was a lovely person. That and just just to mention yeah. that about that, that phone call, she used to laugh about it, you know. Right. So when, when was it? When was the time that you actually knew you were going to be the Hearts manager? Well, it was it was uh, I, I didn't because I was on my way to Inverness with um, Falkirk for a pre-season. Uh, just take him up and have a few games up there. I mean, I got a call from our chairman to say Hearts want to speak to you. And Chris Robinson at the time had said that he made his mind up he was wanting me as manager after that. Not not to get me as manager, because he appointed somebody. He made the decision. He was at the game with the 6 nothing before. He says, I made my mind up to buy the Hearts from Wallace Messer. He says, because that, that, that game, he, that made his mind up he wanted to try and purchase Hearts. Right. And he told me about that. And then he come here, uh, come after me after, after that, and then I had to come here and have a chat. And that was quite quite funny because after all, carry on and everything about saying I was coming and then staying and coming again, uh, Chris had said to me, he said, you know, I'm surprised that you 
after making a decision, he says, he says, it was something you said that, the, that, the, that stuck with me. He says, and I wasn't going to take no for an answer. And he says, um, and I got, for money, folk, I knew folk, folk didn't have anything. Mm-hmm. They were offering me fortunes. I knew they couldn't even be in a position to pay it, you know. They, asked, they said to me, listen, we've been last game of the season relegated, having to win the last game of the season for two years in the trot to save the relegation. What's wrong with us? What you come to the games to watch him on behalf of Falkirk. You come to we are my boy's a Hearts fan, he there's a kid that used to bring him to the games. What is it? I says, Well, you're the only people in Scottish football that don't know what's wrong. I says, What you've got here is a man you've had five managers in ten years when you nearly won the league. You nearly got into a final, you nearly won the cup, you nearly did this, you nearly did that. And I said, Great players. And fantastic for the club. You've had five managers, but it's a fact. The same players are still here, mm. and maybe it's time for change. It happens in football, and, I'm, and I will be honest with them and tell them, and I'll give them a chance because Hearts had no money to replace them. But they were on trial with me. They were, you know, I couldn't let that happen again. Yeah. And uh, but it, it started. You've got the, the usual lift with a new manager. We got first game. We won great went on and then it suddenly come back, the old habits came back and blah, blah, blah. And, um, went to Falkirk, big day at Falkirk when we, and I was, well, it was very uncomfortable for myself because he's changing my mind to come back to tell them I was staying and then coming. So it was a pretty, and I had three new players in that day, and a couple of new goalkeepers, Gilles Roussey. But when they got beat 2-1, you know, I just put my dressing room and I said, look, that's it. I'll be honest, there's eight games played. Looks like we're going in the same path. Club's no money to replace you. It's hearts you're playing for. I said, we should be doing better. It's not good enough. And I've got to tell you what I'm going to do. And I says, I'm going to change it next week. Not just for one week. I'm going to change it now. I'm going to bring in what I can for the, the younger element. Uh... I'll work my socks off this week to get two or three new players through. The Bosman rule just happened to come out at that time. Yeah. And that's how I was getting Gilles Roussey. Um, and I says, and see if it doesn't work. I say, it might not work. I says, but if it doesn't work, people could never accuse me, you know, at least he had tried to change tried it. Something different, huh? And I uh, got three players in that week. Lockie came through, made him captain right away. I just got the change. The club needed, and I said that in my interview, the club needed the change. And that's no disrespect to these players that, because they all got, but it had to, it had to change. How did they did, players, they well, players take it? Quite rightly, I'd been the same as them. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have liked it because you know it's like everything else. It's a great club and yeah. supported, and these were fantastic servants to the club. As it was, it, some of them were not years so long, but you know I kept the ones that I felt could do a job for a little bit longer until I got equivalent or better, replacing them. But the change needed to happen for the whole fans. I couldn't go through it again. And um, you know, and then when we started gathering, that's when we got a wee bit better. But Chris said, you know, we're doing well, but we, we're not in the stage where we can go and buy. So I had to do. I mean, I swapped David Hagen for Stevie Fulton, you know, and I swapped. I got David Weir for two for for Craig Nelson and Brian Hamilton, and you know, I knew these players that mm-hmm. were better than what we had. And then then when we did do well in that first year with getting to, I mean, we've gone from just surviving last year to fourth in the league and the Scottish Cup final. Even though it didn't go for us, 
It was a fantastic How season. proud are you when you've done that to your well, own Well, it was club? great because yeah. even at that time, it allowed me to, to... I stole a couple of players. Colin Cameron from Wraith Rovers for... No just John Miller and maybe 60 grand or something. And then Neil McCann was on his way when Jim Duffy says, look, he doesn't want to go to Stroom Grass. His wife doesn't know where to go. She's expecting her for... I says, well, I've not got any money. He says, look, anything. He says, because we've got nothing. Uh-huh. I think we gave about £80,000. So it was... It, it just started to snowball and get better and grow arms and legs and get better. And that's how we started to improve, you know. See, on the players' lock... People is... forget, in the five years we were here, we were in three major cup finals. Finals, uh-huh. And four years in, in Europe. Wow. So... It was a good little... See, the players that you mentioned, Naismith, Locke, Fulton, Cameron, Davy, Ware, Alan Johnson, did you know that the players would go on and have the, the well, great I'll tell you what I said did. to them. I says, when people question, I said, well, wait a minute. In fact, I asked one of the backroom staff, I'll not mention them, when I first took the job, I says, what about the young boys? I says, they've won the, the Reserve League Cup. They've won the, the Reserve League in the last four, five years. I think they've won it twice. And, and I can't say so... You know, why, why they not had a chance? Yeah. How do you ever know that they're not good enough? I say, so I'll tell you what, there's five of them in next week, three of them in, and we, I think we played Wraith Rovers here and beat them comfortably, and then it just it just went on from there. It just got better and better. For, for the young guys, you need good older pros as well. I think you kept on to John Robertson, Craig Levine, John Calhoun. How important were they for you they at your early stage? Fantastic yeah. for the club. And as I said, it come to the stage where you know, they've been consistently good for 10 years. Somebody, and I think, and I know for a fact, I've spoken to the previous managers, they knew that's what was needed. Tommy McLean. And, so why did they not do it? Well, as I said to you, you learn from mistake. That They felt that was a mistake they made. And they said, you're 100% right to do it. I wanted to do it, but they're... And it's a funny thing. And it's, again, it's not the players' fault. But there were a lot of them put on pedestals by the supporters as being, and quite rightly, great players. Um, but it was always the manager's fault. Or, you know, when you look at five managers that had in that before I came, you know, they were, they were all decent records, and Joe Jordan, Tommy McLean, all did well for their clubs. So I just thought, well, it's, it's, there has to be a time come when you need to change it. I yeah. uh, see the young players you were talking about. Was there one that stood out in particular for you? At? At Hearts. You know, your Weirs, Locks, Naismiths, Well, we knew, we knew, you know, I did our, we did our homework. We knew Lockie was going to, to he was somebody that the, the older players respected. You know, Even as a young kid, was young kid, yeah. And why was that, they, they, well, I think they, they, I got the vibes that people like Robbo and Kai and that wanted them. They felt he, they wanted them in the team anyway. Right. So they were delighted that I'd brought in a couple of youngsters. But they, that because it helped for them. They, they had to either play or these boys were to take over, but they got in and um, and I said to Billy, see if we're starting afresh, see, see if we're talking about changing everything here. Let's let's start with a new captain. Like, get Show the fans and, and everybody here that this is a new... Because that's what Chris Robinson was after. He was after a new era. He was, had to... You know, I think he even maybe took it to extremes by changing the badge and changing a couple of rooms here, like the, heart, the Willie Ball thing. But that, that didn't go too well, but I think that was all sorted out. But uh, So on the football side, so well, why not? Young, vibrant, he's a heart fanatic. He's got the respect of the players and uh, we, we liked his attitude. 
at the training and everything. And of course, then when you bring in all the boys who'd come through with Richie, Alan Johnston, Alan McManus, it was just a case of these boys were going to play for you because they'd been dying four or five years here waiting for a chance. And it just just took off. Gordon Strachan was the manager of Coventry. Uh-huh. Uh, they had Richardson as their chairman. The two of them worked closely together. And they phoned me up and offered us 1.2 million for wow. a look at it at that time, which was a lot of money. And we turned it down because what was the point of how could you have could you have been a very obviously injuries curtailed them a wee bit, but how could uh, how good could Lockie have been? No, it'd been, it'd been loads of caps. He, he probably wouldn't have been here mm. you know, as long. He he probably moved on to a, a bigger club in, in the Premier League. Uh, there's no doubt about that. And it was just hard how the injuries came, but in a way, fantastic for us. Uh, because and and, I, and that's what was a great thing is that Lockie didn't mind that because Hearts was his passion. Yeah. He'd been here like I was as a kid, and and uh, and it was just so. He, he even the, the worst scenario for him was that he was playing at a club he loved, and, and as you see, he's had a, a great career here on and off the park. You know? What about problems that first year? I know you finished fourth in the league, but was there any problems through that season, like older players or? Was there time yeah, that you had to really? It was hard to tell people like Gary Mackay moved away to great legend, you know, yeah. great guy, great player. But I had to change it. Even I brought people in who weren't probably as good as Gary Beck because I, it was the effect of the change. Yeah. You know, people coming and did me a great job. Paul Smith was only a short term here. Alan Lawrence was only short term here. There was people coming short term. It was me and me of instigating a change so that when the players came that I could get and that I wanted. And I didn't say I wanted them. I knew they would do me a great turn. They were on. Paul Smith was a Hearts fan. Yeah. So I knew he'd bust a gut to Did you get a bit of stick when club. you let Mackay go? It's the same when Darren Jackson came here. Darren Jackson, you know, for all the time at Hibs and Celtic and that, his father was a fanatic here. And he made him very proud when we signed yeah. Darren. Darren did a fantastic job for us. So you, you've got that thing that you, you, you know that you're they're self-motivated. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, you've never had the fact that confrontations occur in changing rooms. Is there a certain thing that players do that really peeve you? I think the big, the big one I remember in the dressing room, which you wouldn't, and I wouldn't do it nowadays because it's just not acceptable. You don't get away with what I got away with. Probably Walter Smith and all these managers mm-hmm. before they've all done it. And, and Lockie will tell you when he probably come here, the, the managers used to go in there and used to sit there and take it. You know, you had to. You don't get. You, you couldn't. If I was a manager now, say I was starting to be man, I couldn't get away. I wouldn't manage the same as I would. You'd be different. Start, be different because you've got you've got different people and different things altogether. But when we could, then there's two stick in my mind, and one was was Berwick Rangers, Neil Oliver, who I took to Falkirk and sold them to Blackburn for forty grand. But he made a mistake in the last minute and cost me a goal, a draw with one eighty five, and I had him pinned up against Yogi was there. Yogi stopped me. Smacking him, I think, because uh, I had him pinned up against the wall and I was getting him. And of course, I never thought that when it was all over, you could tear a pin drop. And I turned around and who's facing me? Bang. His father. No. Who was the kit man? His dad was the kit man. <laughs> and he looked at him and, says, and he went, Gaffer, I'm glad you did it because I was going <laughs> <laughs> So that was one. But the other one was we went away. There was a, a B&Q Cup at Falkirk. And that was the one that stuck in my mind. B&Q Cup. And uh, we, you're playing all the, the Premier League were out of it. It was all the teams in the lower division. 
the, the oh, channels, rubbish, the channels, yeah, playing every year. So we went to, I said to the boys, listen, the club's bonuses, there'll be nobody at the games and that, we can't, we're going to pay bonuses. If, what, what if I put to the board that if we get through to the final, they'll take us away and prepare for the final. So I went into the board meeting and said, look, let's, it wasn't fancy. We went to Nerka, I got a contactor there, they put, went to Nerka away from the, the bright lights and that, just in this basic three-star hotel, got training facilities. And it was great. The boys loved it. A couple of, had a game of golf and we were leading up to the final on the Sunday at Motherwell against St. Mirren. We'd beaten comfortably in the league twice. Well, I'll tell you, we were still in, you still know, and it was a horrible day. Sleet, rain, 6,000 Falkirk supporters there at, in, in Motherwell ground. And we're coming at, we're in, it was nil-nil at half time. And they were all over us. Tony Parks had a fantastic game. They could have been three up. Jimmy Bone was the manager. Some memory you've got by you. And they come in and uh, Billy says, what are you going to do? I says, I've not got time to go through them all. We, I says, what are you going to do? I says, one of them. He's going to get it. And it was a little chap called Richard Cadet. Great player. But he was still in Spain. right? <laughs> never tried a leg and never thing. And too cold, you know, and <laughs> wet and miserable. So I come in and I, and I knew he would react. That's why I picked him. Yeah. So I came in and absolutely dogs and just really in his face and that. And I grabbed them and and I did realise I seen the bits of me because I got obviously I must have scraped them. I thought, I thought it was his boys there. Sorry. No, no, no I got him. Because <laughs> right. he retaliated. He came up in my face. So I grabbed them. You know, just I'm not like that. And they're all in yogis in and Kevin Drinkle and all that. So uh, and I said, you, you're still in Spain and that. He was the only one that got it. Got it for 15 minutes. And you like, calm down, Gaffer. Calm down, you know, I'm raging. And uh, we go out, and when the ball was sent up, right, he run further, he run quicker to rob the boy from the centre spot. Right? Gave the ball to, uh, I think he gave it back to, to Yogi, who passed it out to, to uh, I think it was uh, Z McCall, who put the ball in the box within seconds. He had, and he bust a gut to get in the box. And he just missed it, but fortunately for us, Neil Duffy was coming out of the back post and stuck it away. We went one nil up within 30 seconds. Genius. And he was just, and I've never seen a man play as this. So when we got back, oh, I could still see his red marks and things like that. And Kevin Drinkle and I were standing, and went back for a celebration, won the cup 3 0. And uh, we got back to the Park Hotel in Falkirk. So I was up at the bar, and it, he's coming, isn't he? Drinks says, that's, Cadet's on his way up to see you, you know. He says, watch, you might be a bit angry, you know. Uh -huh. So I was at the bar and uh, he taps me on the shoulder and I thought, if I turn around, he might smack me, you know. <laughs> and Drinkle was there, says, look, I'll keep a... So he I'll just stay in case. And he says, can I buy you a drink? I says, buy me a drink? He says, I've got a drink. He says, if you hadn't did what you did, we wouldn't be winning. That. And I've got a medal here that meant... The world to him. Uh -huh. He says, if you hadn't have done what you did, we wouldn't, I wouldn't have that medal. And he bought really? a drink and got fine. It's uh -huh. great, you know, me things like that just to remember was, was great. But that would probably be the the, the most, uh, well, lucky I'll tell you, I've got a, was there, a, was, there, was there any players that would always have a go back, always have a chirp back? I lost to Eddie Falkirk that day when we lost. Uh -huh. I think I lost it there a wee bit. Right. Telling them, you know, about prima donnas and, you know, you know, I had, 
There was that week, what annoyed me was there was a trailer here with BMWs and Audis and that being, I mean, it's for the, the players. For the players mm -hmm. and that, you know, and looked after great with a hearts club and that. Getting beer folk at just Disney. Disney sent me. And though, though I have to say that was a Falkirk team that I, I built. You built it. Well, <laughs> uh, right, you reached the Scottish Cup final in your first season, but it was a 5-1 defeat to Rangers. Why? Why was it such a heavy defeat? Was Gary Locke going off early? Did that throw, throw your game plan a wee bit? Of course it did. Yeah, we had to make a change quickly. Where it changed for us, right? Because it won nothing. You're in the game. Mm -hmm. We won nothing down at halftime. You know, if you look at the players that Rangers had, you know, Gascoigne and Loudrop and all that, this was never going to be a, mm. a, an easy ask. And it's our first year. We've come fourth in the league and we gave them a run for their money. We've played well against them and we go there. And we know because we'd beaten them that year and we thought we've got a chance. Everybody gave us a chance. The goal that Gilles lost just after half time through his legs from a cross that just mm. slithered through. Uh, you could see. Turn on the game's done, isn't it? Gun. What mm. we then did is we took off Pascali because there's no need for it. We had to open up. The mistake we made was we left the two young centre halves, the two full backs played as wing backs, and we went to a back four. Right. But they, they pushed on as they were doing to get us back in the game. And the two, whenever the time Rangers hit us in the break, we, we loud up in that. The two young kids, that, Richie McManus, it was just, it, it blew us away. But it was a two, and I felt sorry for his years because, you know, he, he just, he was never that, could never see him losing a goal in oh, that yeah, car. Yeah. But, and it was just a moment, just that wee bit of concentration. He's probably thinking of like, who are we going to give this to when I, because it was an easy uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. catch it. You know, you've you played the game. And it's just, it happens, but uh, that's why I was so pleased in the cup. There was, they were all heroes, but he was a major him. I'm glad he got man of the match because it made up for that little yeah. mistake he made. I said to the players, look, I'll tell you, I said to the players, I says, well, there's only one way to get into your system. You get back here as quick as you can. Put it right. Yeah. That's what, not me, the whole, the whole lot of us put it right. And, we, and we, we nearly did that, as you can see, the next League Cup final. And it was 4-3 on that day. He's were level. It was only one two. winner uh -huh. until Gascoigne had 15 minutes of sheer genius. Where he scored two goals that nobody else was in the park could have scored. See, sometimes as a manager, there's just nothing you can do. But well, what we were aggrieved yeah. about two-two when it led to the third goal, there was a foul in front of us that even Richard Goff said that it should have been a foul, yeah, but it wasn't. And Gascoigne was allowed to play on, and he just walked past peaceful, put it away like he's done. Them. That's why he was such a great player, and uh, he came up with a second when a. And then we still came back late on it was, but you know, when you come in after being five on a final name, four three and played great, it gives you a lift, it gives you hope, mm. you know. Right, We're getting closer. Time, yeah, next yeah. Time, third time lucky, you know. And then ninety nine eight. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wait, so you haven't be- been beaten twice by them? Was there a wee bit of fear, doubt in your mind going into the game, or was that as confident you've been going into a final? I was very confident for two reasons. Well, well, the main reason is we, when we took the boy out, we were finished the season quite well. We again run Rangers and Celtic close. Uh, I got the manager year thing and Paul Ritchie got the young player of the year and things like that. So there was a buzz about us and that and we took them away down to where Scotland trained for the uh, Euro Championships in the same venue. Craig Brown fixed it up for us. But we took them down on the Sunday. The coach was down at the went away on the Saturday and picked us up. We had a game of golf and relaxed on the Sunday. But then it all started. I told the players at a meeting in the morning what we were going to do, train Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, morning and afternoon. That's it. Nothing Saturday other than just meet the press and just kick and piss about at Tinker. So mm-hmm. maybe go through some set plays. On the Sunday, we'll, Friday, we'll come in, do nothing, just to go through the set plays again and head for Dunblane. But I did say to them, I says, We've looked at the stats, we've played, this is our chance, right? And they gave the reasons why, because there was no Gascoigne. Loudrop was going to Chelsea, so he, Rangers had lost the league in, in the league mm. cup. They, they, they're, they're, on they're on a downer. Walter's leaving, things are leaving. Uh, players are going. Though they will want to not leave, the, the worry we've got is we'll not leave, and we know Loudrop can he's he can win a game on his day but look at the midfield none of them Gattuso McCall none of them any creative players hard workers and yeah. good players but no going to kill you like uh, Loudrop and Gasper you'll never try to drum into them okay, I'll tell you, no way have, have we not got a chance here and here's the other reason because we're not going to play the same we're, we're, we're going to work morning and afternoon morning with the ball afternoon without it you know, and uh, or like with the other team in possession, you know, and what, how we set up. And then he's, we said, with them not playing, these boys are not all on the down and we talked about their midfield, this will be the best chance and you'll never, you'll never believe how you're going to get treated if you pull it off because it's 40 years. Yeah. And there's people believe that they'll, they'll, they're never going to see Hearts win a trophy. And this is your chance. You'll never get a better chance. Raskin's away. Now here's the other reason is we've, we've lost kind of with 13 goals in four matches against Rangers. So we're thinking, we've lost, and we've had plaudits saying, oh, Hearts played well and yeah. great game. And I says, I but we lost, we were only a game we got 2-2 draw or something. And, uh, and I said, uh, we've lost 13 goals. So divided before, can we afford to give Rangers three goals yesterday? Because oh, yeah, yeah. that's what you're yeah. asking us to do. And I said, no. I said, right, we have to play differently. Harder to beat. 
we've been hit, we've been getting hit on the break. So why don't we hit them on the break? Because we're asking them to attack, and if you've got McCall and them who are all grafters and when they've got Ian Ferguson, uh, make them there. try to create something. Uh, they can't do it because they were just sitting back. We were attacking them, and they were hitting us on the break because they had jury and loud dropping mm -hmm. and all that, and they had the spaces to kill us. So we'll just sit. So we worked on that, and, and, and they believed it. So when we got back, there was one person that I'd said to them on the Monday morning, I said, well, no tomorrow. There was one guy in their team that was pulling them out of trouble all the time. Alberts, free kicks. He killed us with two mm -hmm. free kicks. We should have beat them at Ibrox, two free kicks to get a in the last minute of the first half and last minute of the game. And uh, I said, Zach, can he? He's, he might not be able to play because if it's a red card, automatic red card against Dundee United, he'll be out for the game. And he was. We got word on the Tuesday oh. Disney playing. So, See, when you hear that news, do you celebrate a bit? Well, it gives you more belief. Uh -huh. We've not got him to worry about. Gaffer's right. We've got, we can take care of him. We've got better players in the middle of the park than, than they have in terms of flair and ability. Yeah. Maybe not as good as Gascoigne and, and uh -huh. Loudrop and all that, but at the end of the day, the team Rangers had to play of what their selection was and this thing about the more pressure on them, they're not winning a trophy, they're all packing up at the end of the season, they'll never get a better chance. Yeah. And a bust the start is, as well, wasn't it? Well, the first of fact to score and the goal just suited their plan yeah. to a tee. Then you could sit in, we could even sit in. more so. Huh? We could sit in more so. We always wanted to carry a threat because we always knew we probably had to score, but to get that goal early just gave everybody a belief and it was... Mind you, it was a hectic last... Did you think the ref had given a penalty? Well, I spoke to him, as I say, Willie, Willie gave us the answer, which is, which we accepted. It was because he gave a penalty. He would have gave a penalty. But, right. But what the, the signal was before the game is that if the linesman runs to the corner flag, Willie gives a penalty. If the linesman stays on the corner of the 18-yard box, he knows it's a free kick. That was their right. way they were working. They talked about it. Well, he told me, he says, I was, I'd have gave a penalty. But he says, if he had run to the corner flag. Right. right he says, because I couldn't see it. But when he stayed on the level with 18 yard box, I knew it was outside the box. That's the message that he gets. Because there was no earpieces or anything. Is that the most nervous you've been on the side of the pitch? Not without a doubt, no. That game, yeah? I think, I think if it was... Do you expect the worst as a manager when it's, it's like just, that? Just tense, it's... Well, you start, you start to believe, don't you, when you're getting down, when you've seen, you know, we were hoping that the ball would always go to Amoruso because he was hitting Rosed all the time for, the, for free kicks and having shots for 45. We had dealt with that all day, you yeah. know. But you, you can't count them out. They're, they've been brought, as, even to this day, you can never count Rangers and Celtic because it's in their DNA, you know, yeah. going right to the whistle, scoring late goals. Hearts had... Witnessed that with semi-finals and finals, the Hearts and that, you know, I think it wasn't a couple of years before that happened, was they not in that semi-final and, and they were one and a half with about three minutes to go and they lost a week and they lost a goal later when Henry Smith was in goals and that. Uh -huh. it, it, it's, it can happen, so you're just delighted. And the only thing we thought was seven minutes was a long time to... First stoppage. <laughs> Could you hit somebody when you see seven minutes ahead? Well, it's, you know, we're wondering why he did it. And then he, but, well, he gave us the reason. He says the big goalkeeper was... He missed it. Well, his words, excuse my friends, but you know, he said he was knocking about, you know. <laughs> and I says, I says, he was good ball at his feet. I said, it's up to Rangers to go and make him pick it up. Uh -huh. The Rangers were that knackered. They tried to score a goal that when they came back, 
they didn't know what to go there, let him. So he did, but Willie took that as he was time wasting. Well, he's hope was so, uh, And then, the, can you describe the feeling when the final whistle went? Oh, it's the greatest day. Best feeling you've had in football, that? Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Absolutely. 100%. Uh, it was just the, what we, we said to the players, you know, now we knew, I, I knew that how these supporters would react. Sort of react to these players. And they're all legends. They're all heroes now. And, uh, because when you do it for a, and since then, I always say that it was the catalyst. You go 40 years, and then in 2006, they win it, albeit it was against Gretna, and they beat the Hibs 5 1. So, in that next, what, 10 years, eight year spell, 10 year spell, they've won it twice after waiting 40 years. So, we knew that first time. In fact, Sandy Clark said to me when we went to Mallorca, he says, you know, he says, I'm so, so envious. He says, because he always, he knew like I did that. If you were the first person to win that trophy after 40 years, how much it would mean. mean, you know. See, and when you win that in the final whistle goes, do you think back to the other defeats that you've had against Rangers in the final? What is it that goes through your mind? Is it previous experiences or just jubilation for the boys? For, for the times we were defeated? Yeah. Do you think about that when the final whistle goes? <sighs> nah. Just look forward to what the next, what I say to them, you would never believe uh, for the next few weeks that it went, well, it's years that it went on. You know, they were just held in great esteem. You see, and when you turn up at reunions like the last one and see the response, and Ann Budge said to me, she said that, uh, she's a, I knew you'd get a response, but this is something that she never ever envisaged yeah. or experienced. She says how much a, uh, an esteem they're held in. I says that the first team was always going to be, yeah. be that, and the squad was great. You the know? players went mental that night. How did you and Billy celebrate? Um... I actually didn't feel, I would, you, you, they say you can get drunk on adrenaline, you know, because yeah. you just, you get offers a drink, you just kind of, you take it out on them. We had a fantastic night here. I mean, the journey back was... How was that the bus? Oh, was that the bus? Uh-huh. I mean, when they picked up the Range Rovers and the scarves were tied to the police Range Rovers at, at uh, Livingston. And then we've gone along past uh, Western Hills when the fire engine guys are dancing on the top of the... And then getting from Cheshire to Tinkers, it was the bus was going at two miles an hour. Mm. That's why they could go on top, and you couldn't get away. I mean, that's dangerous. But the the bus was moving that slowly. Nobody was in any rush. They're all drunk in the bus going. But it was just a an unbelievable. Would uh, you ever get emotional? Night. Would you? Would there be tears in it? Eh? Well, I, I, I tell a story once about when we went along. All the boys, I think, had went out of town, but we just. We had booked into the car with the family and, and then my friend that was a guest of mine that we were there. And uh, we got up the next morning because we had the parade, which was another fantastic day. Mm-hmm. But then I was rough. I didn't feel I had a lot to drink. I was just rough maybe that. Tired. So, so they, they didn't do anything in the, the wee shop at the Cali. So she says, oh, the Shanwick place is open at um, Boots. At Shanwick. Mm-hmm. So I walked along and the streets were pretty bare at half eight. It's about half eight, eight o'clock, and uh, this guy came along and he's hanging over and he's had a coat and his scarf was trailing along the ground. And he said, uh, so I stopped him. There was nobody there, I just stopped. He said, you had a great day yesterday? Oh, I says, did I have a... He never looked up, just slightly. He says, did I have a great day? He says, see that Jim Jeffrey? He says, God bless him. <laughs> and so when I walked past, he stopped about 10 yards past me, 
And I could hear him. He wouldn't turn around to look at me. And I just went, no, it couldn't have been. I walked on. <laughs> he must have had that split second where he thought, no, it couldn't have been. Well, he just walked on, you know, it's funny. Amazing. I uh, just wanted to ask you about the social culture. Uh, I know you were a big one for Magaluf. Best day must They're better in the final, the days of Magaluf. Uh, Magaluf was always a great way just going on the, the cup final weekend because we knew a lot of teams used to go there. Bert Payton, who was my coach at, here at one time uh, when I played, he was managing Dunfermline, and Dick Campbell and the assistant, they took care. They were waiting for us coming because they oh, knew... Yeah. So they were on the with a bottle of champagne on the veranda. They were in the next hotel, but they came out of our hotel. So they, they had the bottle of champagne they, waiting for you and everything. Yeah, they were all um, Jimmy Bone because he was part of their team. John, they were all in, in the kit man. They were all on a circular table on the veranda. They knew when we were arriving. And now one thing I learned about Magaluf, right? And this is another thing I can pass. If you're going to take your teams to Magaluf, because the first year I stayed in the same hotel as the players, the Buckster, right. I made say to Billy. No Never chance. Again. <laughs> right? I says, what are you going to do? I says, well, next year we're on a different floor for a start. So we went the next year on a different floor. I says, that didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> then we had the hotel next door. That didn't work. So they're at one end of the town or, and we're up at the other end, away from them. But when we meet up with them and that, and they were just sitting. For, the first thing they did, go to their bed, was down at the beach, just sitting at a bar every day of the week. Just Getting life in. Just, Taking it all in, and it's fantastic. And of course, you hear the stories and that, but you're not involved in that. What team would you worry about the most? Was there a certain team that could be a bit wild? Or a certain group? No, I think both. I think both teams. (laughs) At at, uh, Falkirk, we had, you know, we never, and that was another great thing. I used to say, Yogi would ask me for permission to, like, we went to a a trip when we game, we went down to play a friendly at Ipswich. Gaffer, can you let the boys out for the night? I says, all right. So I'm looking at the clock and I says, 12 o'clock. Oh, 12 o'clock? It's half 10 now. You know, I says, well, what do you want? He says, I says, well, give us the two. I says, two o'clock? I says, I. So I'll tell you what I'll do with you. As long as you're there for the bus in the morning, but you've got to guarantee me, right, that there'll be no trouble or nothing in there, because that was one worry he always had, especially uh-huh. with photos and that, you pick up the paper and it was like Walter taught me, Walter Smith's, because he, when he had Gaskell, uh-huh. he, he never looked at the back page of the record, because all football managers do, but you always looked at the front page <laughs> first, and I thought, well, I'll remember that, and then when he went these trips, it might have been with, uh, with Stevie and all that, but, they were, but, but Yogi was great, because what he said was, I'll tell you what, because he couldn't believe I'd said that. Yeah. He's, he's got an extension to two o'clock. I've given him to seven o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. Right? So he says, Gaffer, they'll be in at half past three. I says, I'm not care when you're in. He says, they'll be in at half past three. Because I'll be waiting for them. And I came in the next day <laughs> and he said, they were all in. They were all waiting. They were scared, more scared of Yogi than, you. than me. So I, just, <laughs> I could just sleep peacefully, you know. But I went, and see, when you were flying at Hearts at that time, was there opportunities, opportunities to leave? Me. Are there clubs coming for you? Um, well, I reckon if it was at that time, but I had an opportunity, yes, to go to another top, top Premier League club. They got in touch with me through a, a third party. They wanted me to fly to a, to a hotel to um, just have a meeting. Um, uh, I didn't go. Why not? Because, well... 
I loved hearts and I wanted to stay. We were doing well here and I thanked them very much. Sometimes you, there was a bit in the press about it. One of the directors said, when I left here, he says, one thing that they weren't very happy about was that time when I, because I come out and they were looking to say, look, I'm not interested. I'm at hearts now. But they, they've got to remember what happens if the following season, which can happen, that you, the hearts sack you. Yeah. And you've showed a great amount of disrespect to, to that team because they might be looking for a manager then yeah, or in yeah. the future. Yeah. And then they say, oh, well, we weren't good enough when you were, if you come out and slaughter them and say, no, I'm not interested. You're not as big a club as Hearts and all that. So I just handled it and said, look, thanks very much. I'm really honoured that you've asked me, but I'm happy where I am. That's my club and I like to stay. And they understood that. And they were great. Right. So uh, so what led to you leaving Hearts in 2000 then? I got caught in the middle. The two people that fell out on the board. Um, and what it did was it revealed some things that happened at a board meeting, uh, which has nothing to do with me. Mm. And I wasn't really that interested. But it seemed to, something was said and something was noted down and I got it explained to me what it was and I was quite happy to accept that. The person who had told me about it initially um, said that uh, he could prove it to me that that was brought because they denied that that happened. So when I found out, because I seen it in writing, then I confronted them and said, why did you lie? I was quite happy with everything that you yeah. done. But you lied to me. So how can we carry on working a close relationship when, you're, when I can't trust you? You know, if you'd just been honest with me, it would have blown and I'd say, well, that's, that's your prerogative. You're, you're on the board here. That's, I'm like any other manager. I wasn't looking for any. If I hadn't done enough or, or, or hadn't, I think it was referring to the season after where we lost Cameron, David Weir and all these boys yeah. and we struggled a little bit mid-table and we had serious injuries. That's when we got Darren Jackson and we ended up finishing the top half. So you think you would have got a little bit of leeway, leeway for because you've been four or five great years. But I was, I said, well, listen, I'm like any other manager, but, but don't lie to me. Yeah. You know, you, you should have just admitted that. Now, can I take what you say for truth? So it... Led to a bad thing, and I thought, let's just cut our losses now. And Is that a sad day leaving? Oh, Remember driving out here? I phoned it. There was an interim chairman at that time, and I phoned him, and I said, look, I need to have a chat about this, because I didn't feel comfortable going in and discussing matters and that. And I said, so we'll, um, we'll maybe come to you. It might mean that one of us has got to leave, and I can't wait it's got to be. So, um, And this thing about going to... Having Bradford and that was nothing. I can, in my kid's life, I can say that I never knew nothing about Bradford till four or five days later when I got a phone call. It was nothing planned or nothing uh, done to, to suggest that I yeah. was leaving because I was going to Bradford in the Premier League. That was something that that uh, happened through somebody phoning up another person and says, What do you think of Jim Jack? He says, I've done a great at Hearts and Falkirk. He says, he sees he's definitely uh, the man for yeah. So, just quickly on Bradford, uh, some characters there: Colin or Dean Windass, who we've interviewed. Why you did it? What happened at Bradford was we had the chairman had spent a lot of money bringing again great, great players coming well, to the end. Uh, How are you ever going to keep the amount of players like nine? I know you have to have a strong squad, but there was nineteen players, twenty players there who had all been used to first team playing. Regular, getting huge money at Bradford to, to stay. He had he'd, he'd brought through people who were 
in the club, like say Chris Kamara, uh, Paul Jewell, uh, Chris Hutchins, no experience mm-hmm. of being the job because he wanted to do the job, but he wanted somebody else to carry the, the can, I think. Right. He's the worst person I've ever met, man. In the Is football. he in football, huh? Oh, I'm thought doubt. Uh, but the respect is that he was being chairman he, he got them he was in charge and got, so I said to him before I left I said why don't you just be the manager and do it and, uh, but it, it, it was I mean handling the players was always going to be difficult but because I, I mean Stan Collimer was terrific was he a huh? good I, guy I tried to, he came here and played at Tynecastle. Uh, I'm sure Lockie would, would know it when we played Fulham right um, and I know he was on trial that day. We hadn't decided to join. He came up and played in a game here and he was outstanding that night. And I just, for a chance, I phoned his agent and I said, would Stan like to come and play in Scotland? And he said, uh, no, he said, he's got two or three good offers and you couldn't afford them anyway. Yeah. So, so when I got introduced him on the Saturday morning before they played at Derby, because I got, I didn't take charge at Derby, I just went down to watch the game. I went across and met the players at the hotel. So we were just having a chat about it and a laugh about it, saying, well, I've got you this time. You know, uh-huh, we gave him a couple of, even there was a couple of times when the weather was bad that he took a couple of, because he was well into the gym work and everything. So right. he, he did a couple of good training sessions uh, for us, just as a wee change. In, in the, so he would take the, the boys for the gym, would he? Yeah. It was great. Really? I never had any problems with him. In fact, he was on that big an antidepressant tablet, the physio tell me, that he didn't give a hoot. You know, he's gone from um, a great story about him where he, now, here's an example. The chairman said, Look, Stan's parked his big Range Rover in over in that street, and police and uh, people are kicking up. I'm about it. He says, Cover what we've been telling the canny part there. So I went down and told them. And I says, uh, And he went, Yeah. So the next day, his car's parked there. The chairman calls me in before I go training. He says, Stan, did you tell Stan yesterday? I says, ah. He says, Well, he's parked it there again. So I says, OK. And the other people are complaining. So it goes down. Next day, I see, I go and say, still here he's parked there again. So I go, I see that. So I go to the chairman and say, right, that's the last thing. So I go and say, Stan, you've been parked in the car there. I says, and, and he's going to find you, right? And it'll only be 50 quid, it'll be 500, you know? He says, when it gets to 50 grand, he's a shout. <laughs> <laughs> so so it, was, uh, it was actually... Uh, they were, they were all right, the yeah, guys. Uh-huh. But when you picked a team, there was going to be seven or eight there sitting. And, we had, and a couple of them were naughty in the dressing room a couple of times. I got way around with Peter Beagle. Beagle, left footy, does this guy We Leicester that day. Ian Jess scored the goal, and I think Lockie would be playing in the game. And, and uh, we named the team, but he wasn't happy at being left out, and he reacted. But, but it was just a football thing. It, wasn't, yeah. it didn't go to blows or just, just a. His attitude wasn't great, and he was yeah. on the bench. And but after that, we got on. We got on further. They fought, and they were just. But I had to tell them that yeah. um, you know that uh, I can't pick everybody, and I've just got to go. But my job down there, my big job down there, was the club was okay. struggling for money. Yeah. So the chairman asked me to get. Says, look, I know we're going to. We actually we cut the squad down. We became a decent side. We had some really good. Performances. The last ten games were were excellent. Couldn't ask for any more. Because we were a smaller squad, we were tighter. It? And uh, that time, I had got ten thousand, uh, ten million pounds off the wage bill. Wow. Uh, with people moving on, you know. Talking of financial difficulties, you went to Kilmarnock. Can you give an example of how severe it was there? 
Well, when I went there, uh, when I got, the, I knew that Bill Cosley was the vice chairman. He appointed a sort of figurehead in John Orr, who was charge of the Strathclyde Police. He was charge of Lockerbie disaster and whatever. And he was a great figurehead for the, the club. He did all this. But as Bill liked to be in the background, he was him and Mr. Muffet that died. The son took over and wanted to keep it in the family. So, But it was at the time, Simon, when, if you remember, they were going to do their own TV deal. And then it was all agreed. They were all meeting at Hamden and Rangers and Celtic didn't turn up. So they kiboshed the whole thing because they were all going to work on their own budgets. Kilmarnock had had a budget on the basis that they had done, uh, you know, they looked at all the things on the books and what they could do and they got their budgets together. And when that deal fell through, we had to go and, well, the money that they were expecting and balance oh, for yeah. was gone. So we had to cut back. We had to lose people like Tommy Johnson and all the big girls. We had to cut it all down again and then start again, which I've done all my life, is building for scratch, you know. And, mm. And, and because they were, come on, they were on some decent, I mean, they tried to get uh, Stefan and Adam here when he, the year after when the company were going to pay him £5,000 a week. It was just... Is that the money they were paying? Oh, was that, that, that was the offer they made them. Wow. And, uh, is that so the deal, deal you got That's not criticism. That was great that they could give them that and that. But when that people like Bill, when that happened, it caused a lot of internal people falling out with yeah. board and that and Bill walked away and Bill Cosley was a great man for Bill, he was Bobby Williamson I'll tell you that he, he was uh, he was very close to Bobby and, and I got him and still do get him I'm great but they were a great club and I really enjoyed it because you there. you were the longest serving manager in the SPL when you were there so you must enjoy it what's your most fondest memories of Kilmarnock I've got a regret I just wish had I played when we got to the final of the League Cup which was massive for mm. us. If I could have played the team that played in the semi-final against Falkirk at beat them 3-0 at Motherwell, I think we would have won the cup. Why did you change it? We didn't change it. There's five or six out injured. Oh, injured, right. Uh, and some of them, were, other boys were having to play a position not 100% fit. I couldn't play the team. Mm. No, we're near the team. Danny Vincent wasn't playing. Simon was hobbling about Simon uh, Ford. Uh, People were out in position. Naismith should have played up yeah. front. We just we just couldn't handle it. And, and Hibs had a very, very, very good team with Brown. And Ken, that's when they, were, they came through Brown. Yeah, and Thompson. Kevin Thompson, Thompson yeah. Right? And they were, they were really team. strong. Uh, right, going back to Hearts. Was there no hesitation in your mind going back to Hearts, even though we're Romanoff? Oh, aye, because I, I thought, well, I knew how it goes. The more successful you are, the less chance you, the more time you've you got. Suck, yeah. You know, he seems to have protected people who were who were doing badly or had some difficulties, as I put, George Burley, I lasted no length of time and was fantastic. And yeah. got top league, what a start top to league, wasn't it? And I, we, we come in here and got, I brought a lot of players in for virtually nothing. He was spending fortunes. And when we got the team, um, you know, we went 31 points out of 33. And we challenged Rangers and Celtic and we finished in third. And, and then we knew right away then, we got into Europe, and in the opening game of the season, we go to Ibrox, and we're three and a half and four and a half at half time would have been a fair reflection on our performance. Yeah. But we got one. Naismith comes out and equalises the second half. But you take one one away from home when they're unfurling the flag and yeah. things like that. And we were delighted. We go to Europe and get a great result, one one. And, and then, but we knew 
coming back for that day that he was looking for the, I heard for people inside that he was trying to get another manager because he'd always wanted me to bring a foreign coach in. Well, uh, was he? What, did he say that to you? Take a foreign coach? in the summer. I was on holiday. He says, and he got, he got Sergey, who didn't, who agreed with me, but he had to carry out instructions. No scared for him, you know. Uh -huh. I said, look, Mr. Romanoff wants you to bring in a foreign coach. I says, why? I said, I've got a coach. I've got Billy Brown. And Lockie's on the back, backroom staff and him. He says, you know, but we feel you need a I says, how do you You've just had a, a foreign coach in Chaba Laszlo and I've got his job. So what are you not happy about? And, that? and he says, well, he just feels that this is his way of interfering. So I says, well, if you want to get one, go and appoint one. No problem. But I says, it'll not be, not be me. And I think that's what said. And I got on, I got on fine with him, but he was just, a, the press are right. It's mad, Vlad. Uh -huh. He's just mad. He's, is it, was there any other odd conversation you can remember? Oh, I could write a book about Vlad on, on my own. It'd be a bestseller. <laughs> and what he did be a bestseller All right, without a doubt well there's a couple of boys that have asked me he says I'd like to do it the boy asked me but I'd like to know where he is because he you know he might have send a hit team if he, <laughs> <laughs> if he, did he ever try and pick the future I'll be alright if I take big Kevin Kyle with me oh, no, he's, right? he, he'll look after him he would do us a favour and please do take him <laughs> we want him to get he done would, he would sort him out you know would no he ever try and pick the team around now oh many times well he wouldn't give an example right? we're playing Hibs and uh, we beat them down there, 2-1, two, two I think it was. And we go and play Celtic in midweek, and we beat them 2 nothing. Two great goals. Uh, Scatcher was outstanding, and David Templeton got the second goal. And we go to St Johnston, right? And we think, well, this will be some week if we can finish it up there, three results. And because we had the, the service for the, the war, um, you know, the next day the service at Tynecastle on the Sunday, we, did, we dedicated that to that team that, 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 uh, that we lost the players in the war, you know? Because yeah. we got three great results. Two on away to Hibs, two on Celtic here, and we got to St. Johnson and win two nine. But before the game, he phones me up and he says, uh, I don't want you, I don't think Scatchell can play today. He's in Lithuania. <laughs> and I says, why? He says, because uh, you'll be intimidated. And I says, Mr. Roman, I says, you mean you're a week late? I says, we played Hibs. I says, if there's anywhere he's going to be intimidated, because him and Griffiths had a wee... Hey, hang on, you remember? Had, yeah, was yeah. it Griffiths? Yeah, uh, Griffiths, yeah. Had a wee spat. So I says, if any place he's going to be intimidated, be Mr. Roman, but you never said not to play him there. He says, I think he will be intimidated. It's not the right place to play him, so leave him out. So I says, I can't. He says, why not? I says, the team sheets are in. But he says the team sheet's <laughs> and he says, uh, "Oh well, okay. See how he goes. Keep an eye on him, and if if he if it looks like he's not involved in that, take him off. <laughs> One to game two, nine. Outstanding again. So we're three results in a week, and we dedicated it to the team when we had the service here on on the, the Gorgie Suite. So Brilliant. it was did, great. Did you ever find it why he thought he'd be intimidated at St Johnston? No, I don't. No, I don't. I says, and I'm looking at says, St. Johnston, there'll be nobody there for a start, apart from the heart supporters. They're not the biggest club. It's not a packed stadium. And I says, what players are going to intimidate? Uh, just, that's oh, thing. But that's the thing you go to prop. I mean, I had to watch him dancing, and, you know, he was in the strictly Lithuania style come dancing finally. He won it, but he owned the bloody radio TV station anyway, so he was always going to win it, you know. Yeah, but he's coming for like a meal. Do you go for meals or 
Oh yeah, I got him. I got him fine with him. He was just mad. <laughs> First day I met him, he's at a board. He's, at, he's got a big board uh, table, you know, the lawn. Sits at the other end, and I was in his office. And he's got this board. And suddenly he would talk to you, and then pew, he'd sprint to the board and put initials of players, you know, that he had and crosses and everything on that. And he, he was all. And I said he used to translate for him and say, "Oh, he's, he, he likes." The wee link ups with the left back, the left half, and the left. So I just, <laughs> I just let him ride away. And you, you have no idea what he did. You see, you come, the boys are right, you come to training. And uh, he, he's always, always gear. He's got a locker. Well, he's got a VR on it. Training care. And then he come on and stop the training. He say, I need the, the young boys to come. I need a goalkeeper. And he would take penalties. Against the goalkeeper, Would you ever and we say, were like, to stand round the eighteen-yard box, <laughs> cheering him. That's what he was like. He was, he, Would he, you ever he, say, "Chairman, now this can't go on now"? Just like a, a gear cracker, right, cracker. We're playing Union Berlin. Go to yeah, We've got a couple of games over there, so we're playing Union Berlin, big club. They were in the first division, but they were a big club, thirty thousand or something like that. So he's coming. We heard he's coming. So. Sergei comes across and he says, Mr. Romanov's come to the game, he's flying in. So I says, oh, very good. You must congratulate him. <laughs> I says, why? He says, he says, he's a world champion <laughs> basketball player. I says, he's fucking five feet five. <laughs> I says, how's he a basketball player? <laughs> and he goes, he says, you must. So I says, and tell Billy Brown to do the same. So I go and tells Billy. So Billy says, what? He says, basketball. So he comes around the corner and we had to do it. Well done. And he's sticking the chest out, you know. And, and Billy's like, we couldn't keep her laughing, to be honest. He must have, he must have caught him going. So we come back. So I says to you know, a girl, I think she was related to the family, some Janice, lovely person. She worked in the office. I said, Janice, what about Mr. Romanoff? I think it was his uncle or, or his wife's, <laughs> uh, was our, our, our aunt. I says, um, he says, oh, he says, that wasn't he. That wasn't the, the uh, he wasn't in the basket. I said, well, I know that. He says, well, what does it come about? He says, in Brazil or Argentina, one of the, they had the over 55s basketball championships. <laughs> and he sponsored... The team. Aye. So what they did was, on the last game, they won it. It was a section thing. So in the last game, it, they'd won it before they played the last game. Because they, oh, he sponsored it and, and paid the money, they thought for 30 seconds, they put him on with a strip. <laughs> he's bouncing them. And he comes out, and now he's calling himself a world champion. <laughs> I thought that's that's what he was like. Oh, this, this guy. It's hard, my son. It's always hard, as You just had to laugh. You know, you just... <laughs> was it tough with the, the massive squad as well at that time? Do you know a massive squad at Hearts at that time as well? I said, I going from. I remember when I first joined here, I had I had a wage bill at Kilmarnock for the staff at not, not staff at the club. Mm -hmm. You you were responsible for it. When I went to Kilmarnock, it was 3.5 million, which was huge. Mm -hmm. I had to, by the time of all the time I was there, I got it down to 1.2, 1.25, something like that. Never yeah. above 1.3. So that tells you there's a lot of big earners there that had to go in. 
So I come here, and Campbell Logos is, uh, he says, uh, I'll steer you through the muddy waters, right? That was his first opening line to me. And I know Campbell well from uh -huh. his Rangers days now. So Campbell says, uh, what was your wage bill at him? I said, well, 1.2, 1.25. He says, uh, I says, what's it here? He says, 9 million. <laughs> 9 million, huh? My first task was to try and convince Concalvis to stay. They were negotiating with Concalvis at 8,000 pounds a week. Wow. Plus 2,000 appearance. But, no, they offered them, they wanted 2,000 pound appearance. But they offered them 1,000. But he stuck it out, he didn't want 1,000, he wanted two. <sighs> Mr. Romanoff wouldn't be beat. He, that's one thing about him. He, he, liked, he wouldn't like the player to win, so he stuck it out. He was only going to give him eight. Right. But he, I mean, I was dealing with players at a thousand pounds and five hundred and that. Somebody I've got, and he was the he was he was near the highest by a long shot, right? So the money that that was going nine million from from a club like Kilmarnock was one point three. You know, that's what put the club into administration. Uh, that's the problem. How soon could you see that there was going to be problems? When was the time that you thought like this is this is going to go tits up? Well, I was away. You know, when I left Hearts. I know the, it wasn't long after that that the, the problems hit, that um, the consortium and the foundation phoned one of the chaps that, you know, started up. Yeah. They were trying to buy the club. Um, and they had the, these were the plans. There was about four or five guys, great, great lads, great lads. And uh, they were telling me what their thoughts were trying, because the club was going to go under. So they were trying to negotiate a price. And they asked me a couple of things. I never gave away anybody's salary. Um, I just said to them, look, they were asking about what would it take as a budget because they were having to build a plan to buy the club. Yeah. And I said, I says, well, I could draw you up a, what I think for a club like Hearts and colour code it. You know, this is a bracket. You should have so many players in that bracket and that bracket. And then your top five earners or something. <clears throat> and it's always if they get better or improve, they can get into each bracket. So I did all that for them, and they, they were very grateful. But I, I told them that because they said nine million was the was the wage budget. They says, "Listen, money's tight at football. Hearts are a big club. They'll attract players mm. better than a lot of clubs in the league." I says, "You could, you would get a fantastic squad of players for a third of that." You sure? I says, "We were thinking half." Like for that. If you've got four and a half, you want to do it, you'll get a better team then. Mm. But three is going to be plenty because none of the rest of the teams can compare, come in compare yeah. that. So I think they went ahead on that basis and I was involved in a couple of meetings, but then I got the Dunfermline job and I had to pull away because I, I kind of seem to be linked with, with both. Yeah. I think they were keen for me to, to sort of be in the background with their meetings to, to try and help them take over the club, you know, but I didn't. Just last week, but Jim, 2011, 2012, you took the first two games and then you were sacked. What happened? Well, uh, I got an inkling at some of that, but you know, when you finish the season third in the league and, and uh, in Europe, and I'd been that fortunate, I'd been running all over. I went to see the play the Hungarian team in Tromsø, who were favourites to go through, but a bit of a shock because I was in Norway, which is 45 minutes flying time for the North Pole. I was there one day, come back. Um, then we had to uh, when we after that one one game with Rangers, I went out on the Sunday because the the Hungarian team got through, 
So I've come back for the Thursday game in Tromso. I've gone to take the, we've taken the team to Ibrox and got a 1-1 draw. But away, I was away on the Sunday morning to Hungary right. to watch their league game at home and then get all the details <coughs> for going out there. So when I come back on the... When the it was a sort of strange atmosphere with the staff and things like that. And I think it, I never thought of it. We prepared the team and we flew out on the Wednesday, on the Thursday for the, on the Wednesday for the game on for the, the, game on the yeah. Thursday. <coughs> and we get a draw, which was a great result. Because yeah, we've got a goal thinking, well, and I could see we'll, we'll beat this team at home. Yeah. And I come back on the Saturday, but I heard on the Friday that he was coming over and that he was going to, Somebody tipped me off that he was. So we went into the Dundee United game and we should have won. We had chances, but we, we lost 1 0. But that suited him because he he called me up and he didn't want me to leave. He, wanted, he says, um, I want to change the manager. I said, well, That's your prerogative. I can ask him why. He says, Well, I just want, we're what we're going to do. It's always about this foreign coach, foreign isn't coach, it? Uh, and I said, Well, that's, if that's what you want to do, it's your prerogative. Yeah. And I'm quite happy. I've started the season quite well. I've got you third last year. You're in Europe. And he says, I know I'm grateful, but I don't want you to go. And I says, what, what do you mean? Like He says, uh, we'd like to make you director of football. And I know they've had about five or six, so yeah. I was trying to find out as much as I could. I says, well, look, that's a, I don't know. I says, I'll come in, let me think about that, and I'll meet you tomorrow, and we'll discuss my contract. What do you mean? I says, well, I need my contract, so I've got a year and a half in my mind. So uh, he says, but you're not leaving. I says, well, but it's a separate job. It's a different job. You, you need to finish this one and then start and tell me what the director of it was. I'll be a different salary for start. Yeah, he says, it'll probably be about half of what we're on. Oh, I say, so you want me <laughs> to work for half the money? I'm better going. I'm twice as well off. Yeah. You're doing it for, I think you're just doing it to save yourself money. You're not giving me the job because you really want to give me the job. Uh, you're just doing it as a way to try to save half the salary because you now want me to work for half. And I'll, how long will that last? Because yeah. the rest have only lasted a few months and I'll probably go down the same path. So thanks very much. But no, just leave it for the lawyers to sort out. And we'll, I just got what I was internal to. So, yeah. But not, and I, they try to get you for less, which all clubs do. It turned out that I made a donation from the amount agreed with them to the youth development thing. But all I did was get my contract yeah. paid with a bit less, but I gave I gave a some to the youth. Some to the youth. I says, well, cut it down to this and put that money towards the youth. I don't care if it went there or no, but at least I had the gesture that I did it. Right. And uh, but that's what it was, you know. Mm -hmm. And they were just trying to get me to because they wanted to use the other half of my salary for for yeah. And I've got to say, when I went to say cheer to the boys, look, it says that, that Parla would like to, to have a chat with you. And, and he, the man was great because he said that the replays, this is no my team, this is Mr. Jim's Jim Jeffries, yeah. He always called me Mr. Jim, you know, he said, this is Mr. Jim. And most of the team that won the cup final, maybe a cup. That's what I was just going to ask last question. Was it a bittersweet moment for you? Well, it was great because I'd brought Hamill, I brought a lot of these players to, yeah. to the club and it was mostly Danny Granger and all <laughs> these boys were boys I bought. And they just got the benefit. I'm not saying, you know, he did a fantastic job in doing it because you still got to give the manager what And I liked him because we met up when I got a wee bit TV, just uh, radio work. I was member talking out there. They asked me to do the Hearts Dundee United game. And of course, he was at the corner flag and he seen me and he came walking up and we chatted. And I've met him a few times and he, I got on great with him. He was oh, a yeah. nice man. It wasn't his. 
No, fact, I loved it. it when Billy, the other, his assistant said to Billy, he says, can you give us any advice before you go? Because Lockie says he wants to see you uh -huh. before you go. I says, aye, so we'll come up and wish them all the best and that. And because I says, and Billy says, he's off, I says, have you given any advice for us before we go? Billy says, aye. Get the you hear as quick as you can. <laughs> 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 right, wait, uh, last question, Jim. Would you ever get back into management? Uh, I've, you know, people have said to me, said, come my health, that's just nonsense. I'm as fit as, uh -huh. you know, Craig had, had the same as what I had, and he continued on as yeah. manager. But I, um, I've always said I'll never be out there actively. If somebody was to try and convince me to come out and take that, they might get me at the right time. I might daftly say, yeah. aye, I'm not genuinely looking for it. Um, and I've enjoyed the wee sporting... Uh, he was vice chairman at the time. I knew a big Hearts fan and he heard me on a radio programme. He said that uh, we would um, like us to come out. We don't know anybody. We need your contact. So I went and helped him out. And I found if I was some involvement, I would have... I like that, but um, who knows? I think it's maybe maybe too late now. But if somebody was, you know, even I thought, ever asked me about the hearts thing when when Craig left, and I said that it would only be if in a an emergency till till they got somebody. Right. Okay. For a few games, temporary. Whether I could do something else, that's a different matter. But uh, as far as as being a manager, I'll never go out there and apply for it. Never did in the first place yeah. for any job that I got, and I was very fortunate to have a good career in management. So uh, it was always they came and asked me to do that. And if somebody did, then they caught me at that moment. It caused me a few problems at home because I've <laughs> been in it a long time. Uh, but you do, I do like miss it a wee bit. I do miss it. Yeah. I do miss it, but um, not so much of the hassles and the. And congratulating basketball players. Players, working with the players and then and the banter and all uh -huh. that. But I think most managers would say that anyway, you know. But no, if it doesn't come, I've no regrets and uh, I've enjoyed and just, as I said, whatever what happened, I feel very fortunate to, to have got through that, being in the right place. And because I was healthy anyway, helped a lot. So I'm, I'm feeling great. So okay. uh, it wouldn't be something I would... Uh, be knocking doors down to get into like some people you know in for every job <laughs> if somebody asks me they might be lucky I might just say ah listen why not you know, Jim been a pleasure me. thanks Great. very much mate Good. cheers thank thanks you thanks for that ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. This is Roundabout Season 2, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. <laughs> <laughs> you will be right Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have like... You know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> this was like wilderness. A lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, <laughs> yeah, you, you were different. Like, you were real different, bro. I can't really put my finger on it. And so much more. 
Just goes to show that unexpected yeah. things sometimes are the best when it comes to a road trip. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now with new episodes rolling out every Thursday. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.